It's a, it's a joy to be here tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as Gary said, my name's Chris and I'm the youth worker down in Frinton. And if you know anything about Frinton, you can very clearly tell that I shouldn't be doing ministry down there because it's a very <laughs> posh area and I'm not a very posh person. Um, but it's great to be here. I love what I do. And uh, a couple of the guys, a couple of the young people said to me on the way, and you're the guy that came and did the thing. And I agree, because I kind of knew what that, what they were talking about, but I came down and did your uh, church away day a little while ago, and I'm the youth worker that got in trouble for making the youth make too much noise during that day, and I uh, got told to, to be quiet. So, um, but that's me, and you're going to find out a little bit more about me, and who I am, and kind of kind of what I do and what life is like. But I know uh, Gary and Ian really, really well. Uh, We hang around together as much as we can. Uh, We make an awful lot of noise when we do it. Uh, We normally eat way too much pie and mash uh, and just have a genuinely very good time. And uh, I'm normally the guy in our group, if you add Mark Massey into that group, I'm normally the guy that is the butt of the jokes. So I'm the one that is is egged on to do things that are ridiculous and silly. And I guess I kind of always have been from a very young age. I've always been the idiot that goes, do you know what, I'm well up for that. I'm going to go and do that and see how it goes out. And it normally turns out quite badly and I have to deal with the consequences. But that's me. Um, My mum used to say to me as I was growing up that if I was her her first child, I would have been her last. Um, (laughs) lovely, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I told you there was a bar and I'll lower it. So, um, ridiculously enough, she did have another one five years later, so she can take that sort you know, whatever. But I, I was a whirlwind growing up, and um, I was quite chaotic, and, you know, you're going to find out a little bit more about that as we kind of go on. Um, so a little bit about me, apart from kind of being a youth worker, um, as Gary said, my name, I do youth work down in Frinton, that is me doing uh, summer mission, that is me mid-pie face. Does anyone know the game pie face? Anyone played that at Christmas? Um, yeah, that's me mid-pie face complaining uh, about some judication, I think, what was going on um, and putting my opinion across. I'm a husband, uh, my wife's name is Louise, she's a wonderful woman because she puts up with me uh, a lot of the time and uh, that's us, we managed to get away to, to Spain over the summer. So I'm a husband, I'm a youth worker, I'm a stepfather, uh, that's my stepdaughter Imogen, she is nine years old, um, she is better at football than I have ever been um, and she's genuinely a joy and we make silly faces in front of cameras. I'm a dad, so little Joshua. Um, he's four, uh, he's a joy, I'm going to talk a little bit, quite a lot about him tonight as well, um, uh, yeah, he's fantastic, and unfortunately, the bar's dropped, the bar's dropped. <laughs> all the men in the room went, oh, really? Uh, yeah, I made a very poor decision at the age of 12, um, I, was, I was raised as an Arsenal fan, and ended up being a Newcastle fan, which I regretted for many, many years. But in Rafa, we trust. So um, there we are. Um, So I'm a Newcastle fan. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a stepfather. I have a wonderful life. Um, But to go back to the early days, um, you know what? My family life was very normal. I grew up in a very loving family. Uh, Two sisters, one brother, both parents. uh, And just generally a normal upbringing, really. Um, Wasn't Christian background, but that wasn't a, you know, wasn't a bad thing. It just wasn't my mum and dad's thing, so I never kind of went to church growing up. Uh, never kind of had any belief, really, just because I wasn't around it very often. And um, when I went into my teenage years, I've used the word uh, lively, I've used the word whirlwind, and I've used the word idiot 
And as I was growing up into teenager, I would say that these were my idiot years of life. And that was me looking very dapper at the age of 15 on the way to my prom. Uh, I look very good there, don't I? Look at the full head of hair. Um, that, that changed very good. But these were my idiot years. And uh, just to give you an example of how idiotic they were, uh, one night, um, uh, New Year's Eve it was, uh, my, my, I'd been out at a party. And we'd, it was a fancy dress party. And I had dressed up as Sylvester the Cat. That isn't me in the suit. That was the only picture I could find of it online. But I dressed up as Sylvester the Cat, and I got in it around 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I crept into my house, and I climbed onto the cabinet that was in my mum and dad's bedroom. Um, and I stood on there for about 5, 10 seconds, and I launched myself onto their beds <laughs> and shouted, the cat is on the bed, you better get him off. And uh, so I was an idiot growing up. I always was an idiot. And I, that's just a very silly example of who I kind of was growing up. No faith, no background, general idiot. Jack the lad kind of thought I knew what was best. I suppose I probably still am very much the same person. Um, but I, I have a faith, so that's the only difference in that story. But um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's great. Um, from being that idiot, I kind of got a little bit of responsibility, and I went to work in a special needs school uh, just outside Colchester. I did that for about seven or eight years, and I worked specifically with children with autism uh, in something we called an autism base, and with children with very, very severe, severe autism, and, and learned how to communicate, learned how to, to care for them, and to, to just help them grow into, into the children that they were meant to be. Uh, that was kind of my role in it, giving them life skills, and I loved it. I absolutely loved working there. Generally, really enjoyed it. From there, uh, I went and did a bit of youth work for Colchester Borough Council, did some outreach youth work, um, for, and I was a, something called a street warden. I don't know if you've ever heard of that job role. Uh, and it was generally my job to go into uh, underprivileged areas to, to, to gather the kids and just kind of get to know them and get them off the streets and give them things to do. Uh, I was then promoted and did another couple of jobs at the council, uh, and life kind of went on that way. So just, just generally doing what I wanted, generally, you know, had some good jobs, did some nice stuff. Uh, life went on, and then, as we all know, men, we meet a woman, don't we? We meet a woman somewhere along the lines, and everything changes. Uh, well, it did for me anyway. It generally did for me. Uh, she was involved in the church. Um, which caused some problems on a Sunday morning. Uh, it wasn't problems for me, because whenever she left, I played FIFA, um, and I was quite happy with that. Um, but she continued to ask me to come to church every single week. And every single week, I'd say, no, because I'm going to do this. No, because I'm going to do that. And I ended up in church because I ran out of excuses. And she was kind of getting a little bit cross with me with all of my excuses. So as men, we know that sometimes we just have to give in. And I experienced it was nothing kind of as I imagined it to be. Uh, life went on. I did an alpha course. I believed what I was saying. I went quickly from going once a month to once every two weeks, once a week. And I was doing courses in the middle. It was fantastic. I was believing everything that I was hearing. I got saved at Front and Free Church about a year and a half after finally shuffling through the doors. A really quick process, really quick process of coming to faith, uh, getting baptised and giving my life to Christ. And uh, it was a generally wonderful time. Life was really good. So I was enjoying what I was doing. Things were coming round. I was getting the whole point of life. I would say I was a believer. I'd say I was a believer, but I always struggled throughout all of my life with one question. And it was, why do people have additional needs? Why do people 
have additional needs? Why do people and their families suffer around that subject? I grew up, my cousin was severely disabled. I say was, she passed away a month ago. Um, very sadly, very tragically. Um, we weren't expecting it, um, but she, that's the reason why I called it in the past tense. Um, but she, she was really close to us. She was really close. We were really involved in her life. We were around there most weeks, spent a lot of time with her. And I saw the strain that it put on that family. I saw the pain that my auntie and uncle went through when we couldn't go to and do normal things at Christmas. And I struggled with that question. And then I went and worked at a school and I cared for wonderful children, innocent young children, and I saw the, the difficulties they faced just interacting with the world every single day. And I went, why do people have additional needs? I guess I still do ask that question. One day I'll get a chance to ask God face to face and I look forward to that day. But it's a subject that I've always struggled with. And I, I, you know, the, the subject to my thought tonight is life brings up questions. Life brings up lots of questions, and I guess all of us have that one big question that we look forward to asking God face to faith one day, and the rest of it is just about faith and going through life and just kind of understanding it as we go along. That's my big question. That's my big question, and I always will battle with it. On 13th of April 2014, life changed again. Uh, Christian man, loving man, enjoying life, uh, Louise gave birth to our son Joshua, who you just saw a photo of, and uh, it was the proudest day of my life. It really was. I, I can still imagine holding him in my hands, how little he was. I've never felt so proud in all of my life. I was just blown away by this feeling of love and peace and completeness almost. It was wonderful. It's just, just an incredible experience. And parents in here, you'll know that feeling when you first hold that child and you'll just go, yeah, this, this is it. This is what it's all about. And I felt that moment, and I loved it. Nothing will take that away from me. And I'm still an incredibly, incredibly proud dad. And there's a very quick video of Joshua, if we're good to go with it. my boy. I love him dearly and I've never been as proud as I am every time I see him jump around, every time I see him bounce happiness. But that is Joshua. That is all you get out of Joshua in life. Very, very uh, often get, we'd never get anything else really. Very, very rarely. And um, Joshua was uh, diagnosed with autism uh, a little while ago and um, that was the twist in my story. For someone who always struggled with this question, why do people have additional needs? 
someone who then came to faith very quickly and gave their life to Jesus, stood in a baptism pool, declared him Lord and Saviour, very quickly was stumped with a big question that was lifelong. It wasn't something I could walk away from. That question popped up and then I moved away from it and did something different. It's a, a challenge that faces me every single day. To struggling with the question to being a father uh, with a child with additional needs, I can so wholeheartedly tell you that going through the diagnosis process was one of the most stressful and upsetting times of my life. It was incredibly difficult. Joshua will never be cured of his autism. Never. He can get better, he can learn how to do things, but he will always have autism. Joshua is pre-verbal, he doesn't speak. And one day, I pray that I have a child that calls me dad. I may not, but I may do in heaven, I will do in heaven. Um, so I hold on to that, but, but through life. That's, that's one thing that I've always really struggled with. Having a stepdaughter and not having a child that calls me dad, that's one thing I've really found difficult through this process. But I hold on to the fact that one day he may. I long to be called dad by my child. He started a special needs school in September and he's in one of the most severe parts of the school. He's in the classes that I would have worked in when I worked at the school. God's good, isn't he? God guides us. It was a day that was filled with pride and pain at the same time the first day he went to school. We were so proud that he went off in his taxi in his new uniform. But we were crushed by the fact he didn't wear the same uniform as his sister. It's tough. It's tough to take. But we were proud nonetheless. He is my world. I'm challenged by him every single day. And I'm challenged every single day to change the world for him to make him more included in the world, to make the world understand him a little bit better. And I guess that's kind of what brings me here tonight. I'm not going to lie, sometimes it's really hard to just smile and get through things. Sometimes it's really tough. Sometimes I'm not in the best of moods, even when I go to church and deal with young people. But it's okay. It's okay. He brings me more joy than he brings me pain. And I think that's the most important thing to remember through this process. He brings me far much more joy than he brings me pain. And I genuinely believe that God has trusted and blessed me with a child of additional needs. And I thank him for that every single day. See, as I said, I'm a man of faith. I declare publicly that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Saviour. I put him at the forefront of everything I do and everything that I go through. And since coming to faith and struggling with these big, big questions, struggling with Joshua's diagnosis, jostling as life as a parent of a child with autism, there's a story that has come back to me every single time and brought me back to some grounding and some understanding. And it's the story of the blind Bartimaeus. Lots of us will know this story, but this story means a great deal to me. I'm just going to read it to you now and just kind of explain why it means so much. The blind Bartimaeus is found in Mark 10, 46 to 52. If you have your Bibles, you can flick to that now. Um, I don't know what page it's on in your Bibles. I do apologise. If you've got it on your phone, uh, grab it out as well. Mark 10, 46 to 52. 
It reads, then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When they heard that it was Jesus of Naz- when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, "Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me." Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, "Son of David, have mercy on me." Jesus stopped and said, "Call him." So they called the blind man, "Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you." Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the roads. It's an incredible story and we preach on it a lot. We preach on it in many different situations, many different examples. But this story has come back and brought me back to it time and time again. Because as a person who is caring for someone with additional needs, and maybe you know someone or you have someone in your life who has additional needs, this story is so important because it's all about inclusion. It's all about inclusion. More importantly, it shows that Jesus' heart is all about inclusion. We go to the Bible, God's book. That's what I love to call it. That's God's book. God written. God breathed. And we go in there for all sorts of answers to life. And this is my answer. This is where I find peace. This is where I find grounding in my situation, in the story of Bartimaeus. See, inclusion is a word that I often use in our church at the free because it's something that we see as a massive priority to us, to be an inclusive church, to be a welcoming church. And we do it because we see Jesus' heart for it in stories like this, to be welcoming, to be inclusive. Just going to change up a little bit now. I'd just like you to talk around your tables very, very quickly. I'm going to give you a minute or two to do this. I'd like you to, everything that I've said, everything that I've just kind of shared with you about my life and what it's like, I'd like you to discuss, what do you think the biggest challenge for parents to bring a special needs child to church is? That's a long question. I I appreciate that, so I'll reread it. What do you think are the biggest challenge for parents of a child with special needs to come to church? Chat about that around your tables, and then we'll get some feedback. Huge, huge question. Very, very short space of time because I've just seen I'm running behind schedule as it is. Um, but give us some feedback. Shout out something. What's the most, why is it so difficult for parents with a child of additional needs to bring them to church? Acceptance. Acceptance. Absolutely. Yeah, great. Thank you. Feel comfortable. Feel comfortable. Absolutely. Being judged by other people. Being judged by other people. 100%. Yes. Yes, they can be, 100%. My son, my son is on stage most Sundays at the free church. Um, he bum rushes the stage every single week. Um, and do you know what? 
Best thing that the church do? Say hello to him. You know, the pastor. Hello, Josh, how are you doing today? He normally wants to get up there and play the guitar. He doesn't quite get there because we're rushing him off stage. But, yeah, it, it, yeah, I get it. It is. It's disruptive. Yeah. Anything else? The physical environment, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes churches aren't set out in the, in the most accessible way. You're 100% right. One more. Yep. Just don't want to come. Just, just, and, you know, with children with autism um, and people with autism, I talk about children a lot because I've got a child. Generally, this is people. Um, yeah. Don't, just don't want to come. They're routine bound, aren't they? So I'm not, not going to go because it's not kind of what I do. Absolutely right. 100%. All of them. All of them are right. It's really hard. It's really hard as a, child of a, a parent of a child of additional needs to come to church. And I work for a church. Every single week is really, really tough. And I can tell you some horror stories. Not just my story stuff that I read on the internet. Um, I can tell you, I'll tell you one. I was, I was dealing with a I was employed by the church. People know who I am. Um, my face is on posters just like your guys are. Um, and Joshua was having an absolute meltdown because there was a fellowship lunch after the service. Joshua's routine is he gets picked up from his group and he goes home. Doesn't go back into church and sit around and wait for a fellowship lunch afterwards. And he had a meltdown. And he hit me and he scratched me and he pulled my hair. And someone walked past and said, what a naughty little boy. You had to pick me off the floor. She I just genuinely couldn't believe it. That's not helpful. <laughs> Inclusion starts with all of us. Absolutely every single one of us. Don't get drawn into the horror stories. Um, I can generally tell you if I didn't work there, I wouldn't have gone back. How much responsibility does that give you as the congregation of a church? Masses. Inclusion starts with all of us. Because, quite simply, Jesus says, come to me who are weary and you will find rest. And I can tell you, parents of children with additional needs are weary. They are tired, they need help, they need support. And we need to be the place that are giving them that sort of environment. Because, here are the stats. One in 800 children or young people have Down syndrome. One in 100 have autism spectrum disorder, autism or Asperger's syndrome. One in 20 have a physical disability. One in 10 have dyslexia. One in 10 have dyspraxia. One in 10 have ADHD. And here's the most shocking statistic. 70 to 80% of relationships that involve a child of additional needs break down. We value marriage as a church. We put value on it because we make it in front of God. Relationships are breaking down because of the pressures they're under. We have a role and a responsibility in that to make sure that doesn't happen. Jesus shows us it's all about inclusion in this story. And he shows us three very simple things, and I'll wrap up nice and quickly from here. Jesus is all about inclusion, and in this story he shows us three things, as I said. Number one, he acknowledges. Jesus acknowledges Bartimaeus. Everyone around him didn't want Jesus to acknowledge he was there. Everyone said, shush, shut up, kicked him, don't say anything, don't disturb Jesus. They gave him a derogatory nickname, the blind Bartimaeus. That's like someone saying to my son, Autism Joshua. 
that's the same. They gave him that nickname. They labelled him with his disability. And Jesus says, call him. Bring him to me. Let me have an audience with this man. And in church, we need to do the same. We need to acknowledge people are there. We can't talk around people. If there's someone with a, a very, if someone's being disruptive, it's about acknowledging. It's about acknowledging that they're there, making them feel welcome. Don't make it difficult. And acknowledging does that really, really quickly. Making a difference is just saying hello sometimes. Make sure people who have children with additional needs or someone has an additional need, make sure you acknowledge them because Jesus did the same. That's number one. Number two, Jesus empowered the man. This man would have been on the streets every single day begging. Every single day. This would have been his life. Jesus didn't just do the obvious. He said to him, what would you like me to do for you? He didn't just do it. Jesus knew. Jesus knew he wanted his sight back. What do you want me to do for you? As a church, we need to do the same. We need to empower people. And how do we do this? We put inclusion on the agenda. We make it a possibility. Because who are the people that have the knowledge about special educational needs? The people that are living with it. If we can empower them and make them part of the movement, make them part of the decision, they will do the work for you as a church. They will do the research because they're already living it. And they'll give you more knowledge and more passion than you can ever imagine if you would empower the people to move in the right direction. We pray to Jesus that he can move mountains and we say that you can move mountains Inclusion is a mountain, but he can move it, 100%. Jesus acknowledges people, he empowers people, because this is what inclusion looks like. And lastly, he shows us that we need to understand. He acknowledges, he empowers, and shows us that we need to understand. Jesus understood Bartimaeus. He felt his pain. He heard his voice in and amongst all of the chaos. And he said, your faith has healed you. See, sometimes the most simple things in the world that we miss, just to understand people and let them be, even if it is tough, even if it is disruptive, it goes a long way. Understanding in a church setting is understanding that sometimes it's not funny. Sometimes it is. There was a situation where my wife uh, got up on stage when I wasn't around to get Joshua off the stage after he'd bum-rushed it. And he's a strong boy, and she couldn't get him off. And people laughed. Because it was funny, I get it, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not for the person in the middle of it. Get to know them. Understanding is realising that they're not naughty. They have needs. They need to be cared for. Understanding is realising that we didn't ask for this. We didn't pick it. We didn't choose it. Understanding is that 
you've got to realise that for five minutes, it might be okay for you guys. At 11 o'clock at night when they're doing the same thing, it's not as funny. It's tiring. Just being there, just understanding is understanding. There are don'ts, there are do's in the church setting. Some of the don'ts, if I can give you some physical uh, advice tonight, don't stare, don't tut, don't judge. And trust me, these all happen in every single church. Happen in my church, and I bang the drum for inclusion on a regular basis. The do's, do love, do listen, do get that sometimes we just need to be alone. But do continue to include us and our children in everything that you do. What does inclusion look like? Acknowledgement, empowerment and understanding. And if everyone did this for my Joshua, my world would be a whole lot better. It'd be a wonderful place. But we all have questions in life. Come back to the beginning. We all have these questions. Mine is why additional needs. Some questions are tougher than others. I can only give you the examples of my life. But no matter what your question is tonight, or how you come here tonight, or how you're hearing what I'm saying, I trust and I know that God is right there in the middle of my situation. When I'm cleaning pooey nappies at 10 o'clock at night, God's in it. When I'm peeling Joshua off me when he's screaming, he's in it. And when I'm watching Joshua bounce around, he's in it. God is in our questions, he's in our situations, working in ways that we could not even imagine. Inclusion is possible, but it comes from all of us. God bless you. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.